It's game day, USC football fans. Get up to speed on the Trojans and their opponents with the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Host Ryan Abraham, Shotgun Spradling, and Keely Yur break down the game from all angles with the in-depth analysis, interviews from the practice field, and expert insights from media members covering the opposition. Let's jump right in and kick things off with uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the uscfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. At uscfootball.com, we cover the Trojans. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year with reports, analysis, interviews, podcasts, photos, videos, and lots more. Make sure you check out the site for wall-to-wall USC coverage. The Peristyle pregame show is proudly sponsored by Trader Joe's. Stop by your neighborhood Trader Joe's for all your tailgating needs like canned wine, elote spiced corn chips, and yes, even hummus. We aren't afraid of interesting food at a tailgate party. All right, let's bring in Keely and Shotgun and give out our awards from the Arizona game. Starting off with our offensive MVP, you have to give it to the true freshman running back Keenan Christen. Came in when injuries happened in the running back position group. He had eight carries for 103 yards, two touchdowns. His first touchdown came off of a 55-yarder, showed off that speed. Look for him to get a bigger role now that USC is struggling with depth at that position. He is fast. Got an unsportsmanlike conduct by a high five and a fan. You got to love that. Come on, Pac-12 refs. What are you doing? Kenai Malga on the defensive side of the ball. Man, his stat line coming in. He filled in for Palaie No Dote. 13 tackles, two of them for loss. He had a sack, forced a fumble. Hey, he even picked off a pass and then threw the ball about 30 yards in the air and got another unsportsmanlike conduct. But making big plays, let these young guys go have some fun out there. Let's take a look at our lineman of the night. How about Austin Jackson was the best one in this game? You know, he sealed the edge a couple times uh, on those big runs that Keenan Christen had on both his touchdown runs. He also did a lot of nice things going against that 3-3-5 defense that gave USC some trouble from Arizona. Now for our special teams player of the night, Chase McGrath. Two for two on his field goal attempts. Still perfect on the season. Eight for eight for field goals and hasn't missed an extra point yet. For our lighting the torch play, the top play of the night, we got to give it to Keenan Christen's 55-yard touchdown run. He turns the corner and turns the burners on, breaking the angle of the safety in the cornerback, and no one's going to touch him. That's right, he went untouched on the play. So it wasn't just Keenan Christen. It was a great job by the offensive line as well. Both of his touchdown runs, he makes it to the end zone without being touched. They did a great job of, of pulling with Jalen McKenzie and Liam Jimmins in the front, and then the tight ends did a great job as well on that. And like we said before, Austin Jackson sealing the edges as, as well giving him an opportunity to just take off and show off that speed. Our head-scratcher award, we saw some of the huge plays, explosive plays from this offense, but didn't really see the sustained drives, certainly to start the game. Four straight three-and-outs. They had a couple other three-and-outs later on, and two two drives that just went five plays. I think they're going to need to sustain more drives and obviously get off to a quicker start, especially if they're going to get their first road win at Colorado. With several three-and-outs, USC never got to establish the tempo they were looking for either, so that's a fixer-upper for us in this game. But also, let's look at the red zone efficiency. USC had six trips inside the red zone, came away with only three field goals. Against better teams, you're going to have to do a better job of making the most of your opportunities down in the red zone. You had the two long touchdown runs, but once you get close to the goal line, can you punch the ball in down uh, near the goal? 
Now that leads into our matchups to watch for USC against Colorado. First up, USC's air raid versus Colorado's passing defense. Ryan, you mentioned the slow start for USC's offense. This is a chance for them to get going in the beginning. Last week against Arizona, they had the 127th ranked passing defense. Well, Colorado's 129th. And let me remind you, there's only 130 teams in the (laughs) FBS. So this is the perfect chance for Keaton Slovis to find consistency from the beginning and get the offense rolling early. Watch something that plays into that. They give up 232 yards after the catch last week. So watch to see if USC breaks some tackles, gets some long runs after making the catches there. Another matchup to watch is Colorado's run game. It's been one of the the few positives for this team. They've got three straight games with 150 yards on the ground. They averaged five yards a carry last week versus USC's depleted. It's particularly the defensive end depth. You you don't have Christian Rector last week. You lose Drake Jackson. Both those guys are looking like they're not going to play this week. And USC has struggled against some of those edge runs. Can Colorado find some space and gain some yards on the ground against USC? Now, those are really good matchups, guys. But the best one is Traveler, USC's mascot, versus Ralphie, Colorado's mascot. No, they're not going to see each other. I don't think Traveler's even making the trip. And Ralphie, as you guys know, one of the coolest things that we see in college football But it's about the road environment. USC hasn't won a road game yet. They haven't played particularly well on the road. They have to go into what's a really cool city, what's a really awesome college football environment. you got Ralphie and stuff running around. And just go out and take care of business and play well. Can USC show, even against a not that great of a team in Colorado, that they can play well on the road? They're going to have to do it Friday if they want to come away with a win. All right, let's jump into our practice interview. I got to talk with big offensive tackle Drew Richmond. He's a got a little bit of a drawl. You'll hear it in there. He's coming from Tennessee as a graduate transfer. He's actually the only player on this team that's actually played against a Mel Tucker defense. Because, yeah, when he was at Tennessee, Mel Tucker was the defensive coordinator at Georgia. So listen to what Drew Richmond had to say, some interesting stuff. Here with uh, Drew Richmond after USC practice. Just wanted to see... Uh, how did it feel? I know before the Arizona game, you got to get up on the ladder for the pep rally and speak to the players and the band. How was that for you? Man, it was a special moment for me to just to feel like that I'm valued here. Uh, just being in a situation where I felt undervalued and, you know, but just being around these guys who's taking me in, you know what I mean? I haven't been here too long, but the love that they shown me, you know, it, it was kind of special for me. I can't lie to be a part of this rich tradition, you know what I mean? And, it, you know, it was a blessing. What's it been like transition from SEC country here to LA? Uh, it's been a good transition, you know. It's 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 been able to help me get more like develop a well-rounded game. I feel like the kind of offense we run here was different than we did back, you know, kind of in the SEC. But I feel like it's allowed me to add some type of just differences to my game and develop my game. So it's been good. How's the chemistry been with uh, your offensive lineman teammates? Oh, man, it's been amazing. You know, they like I said, they've allowed me to be me, and, you know, they've taken me in, and, you know, I can't complain at all about the transition. The uh, running back situation is kind of crazy with a bunch of guys getting hurt. What were you thinking when uh, Keaton Christian took that took that first run for 55 yards and scored a touchdown? Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I wasn't surprised at all. I think Keaton is going to be a star here. Like, I've said this since I've seen him run. I think he'll really be a star here. But, you know, that's the thing about opportunity, you know. You never know when your opportunity come. And, you know, I tell the young guys that my first opportunity came. Like, I started two games. Yes. I started two games, and I got benched and came back in the middle of the Alabama game. And I played that whole game. And I, I started ever since then, you know, going on three years now. So, you never know when your opportunity going to come against who. But you have to be prepared. What's the difference blocking between like a guy like a Marquis Step and then a, a guy like Kristen who's got so much speed? 
uh, Step is just going to put his head down and go get it, you know. But uh, Christian, he get, he just keen and he has speed, you know, and that's something you can't coach. That's something you can't teach. And, you know, they're, they're both very talented. You're not from a cold weather place. You're gonna be. It's gonna be pretty cold in Colorado. Uh, how are you guys prepared for that? Are you ready to play in, a, in some cold weather? Uh, I mean, I've had my fair share of cold games in Kentucky. It snowed in Missouri. It was freezing. So, you know, we'll be prepared. Are you worried about uh, your quarterback? He's an Arizona guy. I don't know, I don't know if he's ever done something like that. Uh, nah, you know, you you be prepared for stuff like that, and you know, we just got to come and play. What have you seen on uh, film so far watching Colorado? Uh. They play hard, you know. I've gone against Mel Tucker defenses, you know, in Georgia. So I know they're going to play hard and, you know, they got athleticism, but, you know, there's not a task we can't handle that we're not prepared for. Yeah, well, that's, you've seen that matchup before. What kind of, what does he bring to the defensive side of the ball? I think he got them more motivated to play, more inspired to play. Like I said, they look like they play hard on film. And, like I said, there's not a task that we can't handle. All right, thanks and best of luck. Yeah, thank you so much. You're always curious when guys transfer how the, they'll match with the team and, and how that goes. And it's really nice to hear that Drews feels valued in the, on this team, especially where he came from. Yeah, I mean, he, the, he had this smile on his face when he was leading the band for the pep rally. You just could tell he felt at home. So it's nice for when a graduate transfer works out like that. Also, it's interesting that he got to play against Mel Tucker defenses. I asked Graham Harrell this week, hey, are you going to ask Drew Richmond about any of his thoughts about the schematic stuff? And he said, no, nah, there's nothing schematically they're going to get from him. So I thought they might use that knowledge a little bit, but I guess that's not where the coaches wanted to go. It's interesting that the Drew Richmond, he's been a vocal leader on this team. He's an older guy in that room. You know, they've got, you know, four guys beside him that have been, you know, came in at the same time. And he's been a guy that stepped in and just meshed really well with the rest of that offensive line group. Now, you mentioned USC's offensive line. It's interesting. They're one of the few position groups so far this season that hasn't been injured in shock. And I know you love talking about how there's always an offensive line injury. It's true, usually. Yeah. But as far, I'm surprised that we haven't mentioned injuries yet, just because it's going to play such a big factor in this game against Colorado. Colorado. So right now, as far as we know, who's doubtful for this game? Palatie Naoto Ote is still out with an ankle injury. Christian Rector and Drake Jackson, the two defensive ends, they will also be out with an ankle injury. Talano Hufunga, once again, that shoulder, uh, he dislocated it, still bothering him, so he's going to be out for a bit. Then the running back depth, like we mentioned, Vavai Malapai, Stephen Carr, and Marquis Stepp, they're all going to be out, especially Marquis Stepp. We found out this week that he's going to need a surgery for that torn ankle ligament, so he's going to be out for three to five weeks. But on the other side, USC does get some positive injury news, especially in the secondary. Looks like Greg Johnson, Elijah Griffin, and Isaac Taylor Stewart Stewart should be good to go for this game against Colorado. It's interesting. USC gets some starters back on the defensive side, but just lose a couple more in the in the game as well. They also lost a, a couple of backups, Abdul Malik McLean, Manir McLean. You know, it's just crazy how many of the injuries are stacking up for them right now. Uh, you you just look at it and you, you wonder if USC can get enough guys on the field and if they have enough depth to cover up for some of those big time injuries. Uh, to starters. Yeah, it's a short week. And when you're talking about tissue injuries, trying to get them warmed up in the cold, that's a big deal. That's not really an easy thing to do. So I think it makes sense that USC's kind of holding these guys back. Colorado's not the greatest team in the world. They should be able to go on the road with some of the reserves in those positions and and get a win. But it's a big deal to try to go with a short week in cold weather and get some of those guys to get warmed up quickly. I just don't think they would be able to do that in this game. Yeah, I think the mindset this week is just survive in advance, especially for what it means for the Pac-12 South. Just go get your first road win and then assess the injuries after that. We'll see if they can do that. Yeah, we'll see. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our player perspective segment where Keelior breaks things down with former USC All-American Taylor Mays. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the USCFootball.com Peristyle pregame show. In this segment, we will look at the game from a player's perspective with host Keely Err and former USC All-American safety Taylor Mays. We're back with player's perspective. Taylor, thanks so much for joining me once again. Keely, what's going on? Before we dive into it, I just want to give a special thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring our show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California and you can find them online at PlatinumStorage.com. So Taylor, we already know that Friday's matchup is important just given the Pac-12 South implications, but you really see this game as an opportunity for the Trojans. Keely, I'm really excited for this football game. Our team needs to show that, one, we can go on the road and win a game. We haven't won a game all season on the road. This game reminds me a lot of the BYU game. We came off a huge win the week before against that Stanford team who was ranked at the time, and possibly we were looking ahead too far to Utah that next week. We're in the same situation. We had just played Arizona last week, had a pretty big win against them, We have a very hot Oregon team next week. We have to focus on this game at hand. I think that's the next step that this team currently needs to focus on. We've been a little bit up and down this season, but with where we are right now, the next step for this team to get better is, one, to win on the road, two, to go in there and execute. Keaton has to go in there and execute for the offense because of the injuries at running back. Some of the guys on defense have to step up because of the injuries in the secondary, on the defensive line, in the linebacker core. Just a a lot of things have to come together for us in this game, and I think it's just a great chance to see the resolve, the character of this USC football team. You mentioned Keaton Slovis. Given what we saw from him against Notre Dame, I think we all thought that there would be a natural progression for him in the Arizona game, but we didn't exactly see that. Graham Harrell said that Slovis was the most hesitant he's been all season. What do you want to see from Slovis in his next game? Well, I thought Keaton struggled a little bit last week, and I know that he said that. I know uh, Harold said it at the same time. And that's why I think even in a blowout win, it's important not to just look at the score and actually look at how our guys played. Because sometimes you can look at the score and think, oh, we blew them out. But in reality, we left a lot of plays out there on the field, and I think Keaton did exactly that. One area I think Keaton has to get better at is his pre-snap recognition. Where he's really struggled is when we face a defense that moves the linebackers around, moves the safeties disguises everything, and then ultimately is blitzing and putting pressure right in his face. He needs to be able to get the ball out quick, find his hot route downfield. And to me, I think that it comes down to two things. It comes down to him trusting in what he sees at practice from the defensive scout team, and it comes down to his film study. He can look on film at linebackers, safeties, even defensive line, and just find little tendencies that defensive players do. I know because I looked for them in myself when I was a player, just dead giveaways. The great quarterbacks will see just by the way your feet are set up that you're blitzing. And I don't know how they know it, but they know it. I think for Keaton, that will be the next big step that he takes in being able to exploit what the defense is doing and use it against them. Every defense has a weakness. You blitz, that's one less or even two less guys in coverage. If he gets the ball out quick and puts it on target, one missed tackle, that's a touchdown. 
Now, we know that USC's running back depth took a major hit against the Wildcats. They're down three guys. Keenan Christian had a good night, but that also happens when you have the offensive line making big holes for you. We haven't really seen Christian as a every down back. Yeah. Are you concerned that the guys who are left on that depth chart aren't really experienced? I'm sure the reason that Keenan hadn't played up until last week in the season was because the coaches just don't feel comfortable with where he's at in terms of pass protection as a running back. And we've seen what can happen when our pass protectors don't do their job and our quarterbacks get hurt. There's a couple of things that we can do as an offense to kind of combat our inexperience at running back and pass protection. We can bring our tight end into the backfield almost like a fullback or a H-back and keep him in in pass protection plays that's six blockers, five O-linemen and one tight end and we can still run three-man routes. We can still run our running back out of the backfield on a checkdown route which is Keaton's escape route and I don't see that as a area of concern for us. Now, we've seen at Keenan last week, if you give him the ball and you get him in some space, he can run. However, the offensive line opened up some pretty big holes for him. Have you ever been at home and you're watching football on TV and you see the hole open up and you say, man, I could run through that hole. Yeah, well, you probably could. The difference between a good running back and a great running back, a great running back, he gets through the hole, gets to the second level, and he makes that second level defender miss. A good running back, he just finds that hole, he holds on to the football, he doesn't try to do anything extra, and he gets three, four, five yards. Our running backs this game, they just have to be good, they don't have to be anything special, and they have to hold on to the football. Looking big picture, we thought that USC's offense was going to thrive against Arizona, but they struggled in the first half of the game. What do they need to do on Friday in order to play a full four quarters against Colorado? There's no reason for our offense to not go in there and dominate. This defense gave up nine explosive plays against Washington State last week. If you don't know, an explosive play is a play over 20 yards. They gave up nine of them. They gave up 272 yards after catch last week against Washington State. This is a defense that has struggled. And what I think is important for us as an offense overall is that we don't play down to the level of our competition. I think that's important for Keaton. I think it's important for our wide receivers. We know that this game is probably going to be sold out. It's going to be a little bit cold for us coming from the West Coast, but those things don't matter. This is the chance that I was talking about earlier for our offense to really make a statement. I want to see Keaton go for 400 yards. If there's ever a team to do it against, this is the team. And I just think it's so important that we don't leave anything out there on the field, that we take advantage of every opportunity that Keaton is growing as much as he can and learning as much as he can. And if we do that this game, I will feel great going into the Oregon game. If we don't do that, and it's somewhat similar to what happened last week against Arizona, then yeah, hey, we might beat them by two, three touchdowns, but we didn't really handle them like we should. And that's the attitude that this team needs to have right now. Now, we mentioned the injuries at the running back position, but the real concern lies on the defensive side of the ball. How does the influx of new guys essentially getting their first start impact a defense and its cohesion? One thing I would like to see with this defense, especially with Talanoa Hafunga being out for a little bit, is somebody else, preferably in the defensive secondary, step up into a leadership role. For me, that person, while he still is relatively young, is Isaiah Polamau. He's played this entire season. He's really been the lone warrior back there, the only player that hasn't missed a snap. I think regardless of who he's in there with, whether it's Chris Steele, Max Williams, whoever, he has to lead the way in being the communicator. One thing that players in the secondary have to do, especially if they're playing with young players, is communicate. Everybody has to be on the same page. Now, sometimes it could seem like they're overdoing it, But 
being safe is way better than being sorry. Guys being on the same page, whether they're doing hand signals, whether they're yelling at each other, guys checking in with each other every single play, I think it'll be very important for Isaiah and Chase Williams, if Chase is playing the other safety, to be on the same page. Because a lot of times you'll see big plays come from busted coverages. And busted coverages come from a lack of communication most of the time in the secondary. So I'm leaving it up to Isaiah to communicate, to check in with the corners, the nickel, every single play, make sure they're on the same page, and to check in also with Kanai at linebacker. Because sometimes safeties and the linebackers have to be on the same page. And I think that just for the morale of this defense, if the guys are talking, there's a lot of chatter, I think that'll kind of boost the morale and the enthusiasm within the defense. And little things like that can make a difference with the defense. And that will be a crucial thing for us. We haven't given up a whole lot of big plays this season in the secondary. And that's been one of our best qualities as a defense secondary. However... You're always susceptible to that, especially when you're putting in new guys who haven't got reps with other guys. So we'll have to see how that plays out going forward. Taylor, you've talked multiple times about the importance of backups and how they're essentially the heart of the team. What does it mean for some of these guys to finally get their shot when they've been waiting so long? This is a huge opportunity for them. This is what they've been waiting for for a long time and working towards. And for them, coming out and being able to showcase what they can do will really, in my opinion, only bring the team closer together. You have to remember, a lot of these guys, they go to school together, they're best friends, they live together. And so... To see a guy who isn't a starter in the game and making plays, guys are going to get excited on the sideline. I know it is a fact because I've been there when guys that are your good friends get in the game and you don't expect them to be in the game. They make a great play. Everybody goes crazy. That's kind of the special thing about football. On Friday night, it'll be one team. But then again, on Monday, the guys will go back to competing. And that's really how this entire system should work. I'm really looking forward to several of our players being able to come in and really relish in this opportunity that they're getting because it doesn't happen a whole lot under Clancy Pendergast in his defense. It might be fair, it might not be fair, but sometimes you really only get one opportunity. And I think what could happen potentially for some of our players is if they come in and play well, I think it'll force some of the coaches to have to take a second look at the depth charts and maybe having to give some of the guys on offense and or defense a little more burn going into the second half of the season if they show that they can be used as an asset for this team. And competition never hurts. No, competition never hurts. And I think that's one of the base pillars of any football team. And it's it just makes everybody better. Specifically looking at USC's defensive front, it looks like they're going to be without Drake Jackson and Christian Rector. Schematically, when you have Caleb Tremblay and Hunter Echols filling in, they're faster guys. How does that change the way this front works? I think it allows our front to do more. Clancy can call different calls because he has Hunter Echols coming off the edge. You don't want to necessarily drop Christian Rector into coverage. But you can do it with Hunter Echols. He is lighter, but he's also faster. He's more athletic. I see us potentially being weaker in the run game. That's the one knock that they'll have against us with these two defensive ends, that Hunter Echols isn't, you know, he's not the size of Drake and he's not the size of Christian. However, if he plays low and if he plays physical and if the other guys around him help him and fill their gaps as well, I think we can be just as successful. Now it's time to put your 6-1 and one record to the test. How do you think this one's going to go on Friday? So it's 6-0 and no record, but I'll talk about my loss another on another show. I feel good about this game for our team. I think we're going to win this game, hands down. 
the question is, how well do we play on offense? Do we put up 28 points? Do we put up 42 or do we go for 49? I think if we get started early, Keaton gets hot, his hands hot, his arms hot, he's throwing the ball well. I think we put up 56 points against this Colorado team. Very confident this week. Yeah, I feel good about it. I think defense, I'm going to say they score 14. I think this will be a very big game for this USC team. I think we're poised for it. We struggled. We've been inconsistent. But sometimes we show why we're still USC, and I think we'll do that on Friday. Well, Colorado's defense has given up at least 30 points in every game so far this season. So you're not being too bold there. No, I'm not. And they, I mean, they're giving up 300-plus passing yards a game. They've really struggled. So... If we play to the level that we can and don't play down to their level, which is the key, they shouldn't stop us at all, at least on offense. Well, we shall see. But, Taylor, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Keely. All righty, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going behind enemy lines. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the USCfootball.com Parastyle pregame show. In this segment, host Ryan Abraham will go behind enemy lines and get insight on the game from USC's opponent's point of view. Before we get to our guests, I'd like to thank Trader Joe's for their sponsorship of the USCfootball.com Parastyle pregame show. The next time you visit the USC campus, check out Trader Joe's at the USC Village where you'll find food and drink from the everyday to the oddly interesting all at amazing prices. You can't miss the store. It's in the red brick building. All right, let's bring in Adam Munster-Tiger. Follow him on Twitter at AdamCM777. He's the publisher of BuffStampede.com. He's doing that since 2003. Covers the University of Colorado football, basketball, recruiting right here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Thanks for coming on, Adam. Of course, Ryan. It's always great to be on with you. Love being uh, led in by Trader Joe's. Uh, we just had... Uh, Trader Joe's lasagna with the family last night. So always good stuff there. So good. Yeah, we, we're glad to have them as a sponsor for us here on the Peristyle pregame show. Let's jump right into it. Friday night game uh, in Boulder. I love seeing Ralphie running around. The bottom half of the Pac-12 is just kind of a mess. Uh, depend, you know, Where do you think Colorado kind of fits in there? There's some couple good wins early with you know beating Nebraska and ASU, but losing the last three games. In the last two in blowout fashion, what do you think has gone wrong for the Colorado Buffalo squad lately? Well, a number of things. Definitely injury started to mount up there um, before they lost. So on September 21st, they go on the road. They beat Arizona State on the road. Surprise everybody there. And they're getting votes in, in both polls. And I think in our Pac-12 power rankings, they were sixth. And so things were looking really good. In that Arizona game, though, there were – that Arizona State game, I should say, it, it seemed like every other play another Colorado Buffalo was getting hurt and, and dragged off the field. They came into their home matchup against Arizona, really banged up. And Khalil Tate, for whatever reason, in each of his three games against the Buffs, has just absolutely owned them. It, uh, I think he just gets up for playing the Buffs for whatever reason. And so that was obviously a disappointing result. But even with all those injuries, they only lost that game by five points. So hadn't really fallen off the tracks yet. But then they have to go on the road on a short week to Oregon. As we've seen, uh, you know, ever since the, the Auburn game, Oregon has been playing at a, a, an elite level 
on defense, and in Colorado's defense just hasn't been able to stop anybody. So a uh, sequence of things at the end of that first half, and things kind of snowballed on them. And we expected this team to bounce back going out to Washington State last week, and just a miserable atmosphere out there with the weather. It was kind of sleet, uh, really cold rain, and Montez has never played. Steven Montez, a CU's quarterback, has never played well in bad weather. And again, they just have not been able to stop anybody defensively, and they certainly weren't going to stop Mike Leach's offense. So a couple blowout losses now in, in the Buffs' return home, licking their wounds. This is the first time in a while they haven't had to travel. It's still a short week, but uh, obviously they're excited to get back out there in front, in front of the home crowd. Steve Montez has been a guy that's bounced back in his career. Uh, we'll see if that happens again this year. It's been really disappointing. Uh, the first five weeks, he throws 10 touchdowns, just two interceptions. The last two weeks, though, he's been abysmal. Zero touchdowns, six interceptions. So they need him to get back on track if they're going to have any chance to to rally things this season and have a chance at a bowl game. Yeah, I like uh, the fifth-year senior a lot, Stephen Montez. I know Mel Tucker said he's still very confident. What does he need to do to, to get back to that early part of the season where he was throwing more touchdowns and interceptions? And it's just not been that way, like you said, the last two games. He just needs to trust his protection a little bit better. You know, he's bailing out sometimes earlier than he needs to. It's been an accuracy issue, uh, which... Again, for whatever reason, he just can't play well in cold weather, and that was the issue. He just missed so many throws out in Pullman this past Saturday. I don't anticipate that being an issue. It's going to be chilly in Folsom Field on Friday night, but it doesn't look like there's going to be any precipitation. Yeah, it's sometimes it's been hard to put your finger on Montez's issues because he does have so much talent. He's got a really strong arm. He, he's fairly athletic. He's not necessarily a dual threat, but he can move around a little bit in the pocket. Just for whatever reason, the inconsistency just has not really been there from him from half to half, week to week throughout his college career. The one thing I will say, though, again, is when he's had one bad performance, he usually bounces back. This is really the first time we've seen him with really, really bad performances back to back weeks. So kind of expect him to bounce back this week. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just hard to predict. He, he's been a very uh, inconsistent guy throughout his career, which has been very frustrating for fans, again, because he does have so much talent. I mean, this is a guy that he still has a chance to get drafted. It certainly hasn't helped his cause the last two weeks, but the talent is there. He just he just needs to put it together, and for whatever reason, he has, has struggled to do that throughout his college career. You had mentioned Khalil Tate. USC saw him last weekend. He hasn't been the same since Kevin Sumlin and the new coaching staff took over and Noel Mazzoni. Uh, he just not look the same as he did in 2017. LaVisca Chenault, I don't know, is it a similar sort of thing where a lot of people felt he's the best player in the Pac-12, just hasn't had the kind of production this year. I know he's been banged up, but what what do you think is the issue with LaVisca Chenault look, not looking like the dominant player that we saw last year? Well, the first three weeks, the other team was just focused on taking him out of the mix. And so they were bracketing him. And, you know, fortunately for Colorado, Tony Brown really emerged. He's a senior wide receiver and uh, in that Arizona State win they had, he had three really impressive touchdown catches. He had the game-tying touchdown against Nebraska to push it into overtime. So he, he kind of took advantage from other teams really focusing in on LaVisca Chenault. And then week four in their conference opener at Arizona State, early in the game, he gets taken down kind of awkwardly, and he suffers an abdomen issue. And so that kept him out of the mix for a little while. You know, last week he told us that he was still not 100%. So he's been dealing with that. Last week at Wazoo, Steve Amantes just missed a bunch of throws. They had LaVisca Chenault wide open in the end zone. He overthrew him, misthrew him on some other occasions. So I don't put that as much on LaVisca Chenault last week. So it was other teams really focusing in on him early. Then he got hurt. And then last week, Montez wasn't able to, to get the ball to him, uh, just missed through a bunch of throws. So 
Uh, I expect him to break out one of these weeks. <laughs> yeah, he led the entire country in, in receptions per game last year. Did suffer, you know, had a, he suffered a turf toe injury down at USC last year. So he was hurt some of last year as well. So it's been a durable issue with him a little bit. Um, I expect I, it's got to happen pretty soon that he's going to have one of these breakout games because he's just too talented for that not to happen. Even with the passing game struggling a little bit, the run game looked like it's improved for Colorado this year. Yeah, it was early in the game. They're you know, picking up six, seven yards per run. Uh, Alex Fontenot, their starting running back, actually ended the day averaging 9.5 yards per rush, yet he only got 11 attempts. It didn't make much sense. Uh, they would get down in the red zone, and they'd start you know, calling some of these pass plays. Well, Montez just didn't have it on Saturday, so it was it was head-scratching that they didn't just stick with the ground game more. I know you look at this game this Friday night. I know run defense has been one of the things USC struggled with this year. You Again, don't outsmart yourself. It's If it's working... Uh, just keep running the ball. And, and when they've done that at times this year, they've been pretty successful. So not household names, but Alex Fontenot is a sophomore guy that at running back that's played pretty well. Jaron Mangum, his backup, uh, more of a physical type back that has been pretty efficient this year. And even Deion Smith, their third string running back, has shown some burst this year. So they need to feed those guys more than they have here because it's been working when they do. New head coach Mel Tucker is a defensive guy coming out of the SEC country. It's got to bother him that Colorado's given up at least 30 points in every game this year. And you, you mentioned, in, I think, on Twitter that all the way back uh, the last 12 games, Colorado's given up at least 30 points. Exactly. So, yeah, this was a problem before Mel Tucker got here. And I don't care who came in as their head coach, as their defense coordinator this year. This defense was not going to be any good. They only returned one defense alignment in uh, a good one at that in Mustafa Johnson that had really any significant experience on their defensive line. Uh, they did return Nate Lamb and a, a talented inside linebacker, but nothing else really returning there. And then on the back end, he even had to go to the transfer portal to bring in uh, Mikhail Uno uh, as a safety. Uh, he's been really good for them, but they didn't have much at all there in the secondary You know, when they inherited. And then they've had injuries. They've had two of their top three cornerbacks go down to a season-ending injury. So they have Delroy Abrams, who's, who's pretty good at one of those spots, and then T- uh, K.J. Trujillo, a true freshman that I, I know USC had given a look to there late in the recruiting process last cycle, is their other starter. I mean, this is a guy that, that came into the season fourth on the depth chart, and now he's a starter, you know, thrown into the fire there. They only have one backup scholarship guy at, at cornerback right now, another true freshman. So if they get one injury there, uh, they're, they're in trouble. If they get two injuries, I don't even know who they're going to put out there, to be honest with you. So very thin at cornerback, and it's just going to take them time. They have more of a multiple defense that has taken time for even the veteran guys to learn. Uh, it was a pretty simple system what they ran under Mike McIntyre. So it's been an adjustment on that level too. So uh, you knew you knew this defense was going to struggle this year. You knew in order for them to win a lot of games, they were going to have to win out and shoot out fashion. And like we talked about, Montez's struggles the last two weeks has been the issue more so. I mean, the defense is an issue, but we knew it was going to be an issue. Uh, so it's it's on the offense to to really outscore people, and they just haven't been doing that here recently. Talk some offense, defense. What about special teams? Any standouts there? Strong, you know, strengths of these units or weaknesses of these units? Yeah, Alex Kinney is a, is a fifth year senior punter that that's been really consistent. Been in a couple of their games has been one of the few bright spots for them. Their place kicker James Stefano, a 32 year old from Australia, actually started out the season making nine in a row, which tied Mason Crosby, who. Uh, has been a, obviously a great Green Bay Packer for the school record for for most made field goals in a row, but he struggled here recently, missed three in the last couple of games. So 
Uh, he was one of the few bright spots again early in the season, and now he's even been struggling. But the the, the weather was an issue out in Pullman. I would think you know he'll get back on track at this season. He this season he's pretty pretty talented there. Uh, returners haven't seen a whole lot of explosive plays out of that that unit this year. They're they're pretty solid on special teams overall. The uh, short week, but Mel Tucker, you know, not really happy with the three game losing streak. Seems to uh, step up the intensity of practice this week. Is that kind of what was going on there? Just trying to reverse the team's fortunes from what's happened the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean they're they're trying everything they can to right the ship. It's you got to applaud a coaching staff for for. Uh, not making excuses for the injuries. That was something that Mike McIntyre and his staff were, were known for. was always giving an excuse for why they weren't playing well. Mel Tucker's not doing that. Uh, he had the entire team watch the, the the tape of the Washington State game. So to try to avoid there from being finger pointing because it was like, hey, there's, there's issues on both sides of the ball. So uh, we all need to get better. And so they've been doing the right things. But Again, it really is a talent, depth, and inexperience issue with this football team. I, I do think, you know, some of the teams coming up on their schedule that they they'll have a chance to win another game or two. But uh, it's just going to take some time for this coaching staff to to really, uh, you know, develop a winning culture w- within this program. We've seen three three transfers that announced this week, so uh, they're definitely still weeding guys out and trying to get the guys and figure out who is 100% in with both feet and, and kind of move forward from there. Adam does a great job covering the Colorado Buffaloes for buffstampede.com. Make sure you check out his stuff. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. All right, we'll take a quick break and be back here for our final segment here on the Peristyle Pregame Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the USCFootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Here's your host, Ryan Abraham. We're going to finish up the show with Chris Trevino's five bold predictions for the Colorado game. Hear from USC defensive lineman Nick Figueroa. And finally, Keely Shotgun and I will give our game predictions. Thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring the USCFootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California, and you can find them online at PlatinumStorage.com. Let's go to Chris with his five bold predictions. This is Chris Trevino with USCFootball.com, and these are my five predictions for USC versus Colorado. Prediction number one, Keaton Christian rips off two runs of at least 30 yards. Unless junior Stephen Carr makes a significant recovery from his hamstring injury, it looks like the freshman Christian is expected to make his first career start on Friday. Now, Colorado is a middle-of-the-road run defense, ranked number 78 nationally at 166 yards allowed per game but it ranks number 10 in the conference with six rushing plays of at least 30 yards allowed this season. Kristen showed with his dynamic speed that he can bust one if he's given a little bit of daylight, and I like the sprinter to pop a couple more big runs in Boulder. Prediction number two, USC special teams registers a block. Despite USC's inconsistency and struggles on special teams this season, USC is randomly pretty good at coming up with a block every now and then. The Trojans blocked two field goals in Boulder in 2017, and Colorado had an extra point block this season in the loss to Air Force. I feel like USC is due for a special team's big play. Prediction number three, USC wins their turnover margin for the second consecutive week. Prior to Saturday's win over Arizona, USC had failed to come out on top of the turnover margin battle 
in 17 consecutive games. Now, Colorado is currently plus two on the season, and a little deeper, they're plus four at home in three games, while USC is minus six in three road losses when it comes to turnovers. But it should be noted they were turnover-free at Notre Dame. Another point for USC in this prediction is that QB Steven Montez is in the midst of a really bad slump with the Colorado offense, having thrown six interceptions and just one touchdown in his last two games. I know the defense is really banged up right now, but I like the confidence they have after creating a bunch of havoc against the Wildcats. Prediction number four. Linebacker Kanae Mauga leads the team again with double-digit tackles. With normal starter Palaie Natiote still in a boot, it looks like Mauga will pick up another start. Now, you might hear this prediction and think, well, that's a pretty easy one, especially after Mauga looked like a world-beater against the Wildcats with 13 tackles, one sack, a forced fumble, and an interception in his first career start. But did you know that no USC linebacker has posted consecutive games with double-digit tackles? It's a weird stat, but true, and I think Malga will snap this pattern on Friday. And finally, prediction number five. USC offense averages at least six yards per play for the third consecutive week. I'm tempted to call this one a lock, but USC's hot and cold readings on offense, i.e. the second half of the Notre Dame game and, say, the first half of the Arizona game, could spoil this. USC hasn't managed a six-point yards per play average in three consecutive games this season, but Colorado's defense has allowed seven consecutive teams to surpass that mark this season. Something's got to give, and I'm rolling with USC. Again, this is Chris Trevino with USCFootball.com, and those are my five predictions for USC versus Colorado. Some bold predictions from Chris there. I think I'm going to take the third one. USC wins the turnover margin. Looking to see if they'll continue the momentum that they started last week. You know, Steven Montez, Colorado's quarterback, has thrown six interceptions in the last two weeks. There's some questions about his confidence coming into this game. Maybe USC can take advantage of that. I kind of like the first one with Keaton Kristen. 30-yard runs. Those just grow on trees for a guy with that kind of speed. I'm also looking at Dominic Davis. Like, he's going to be in there in the running back rotation with all the injuries. Maybe he's able to break a big run. A lot of people would love to see him back in a USC uniform doing things on the field. When you get those big plays, that means your yard per play average is going to go up. USC, as Chris said, six yards per play average over the last two weeks. They're going to try to do it again for Colorado. Colorado's given up at least 444 yards per game. So that seems like a pretty good prediction that USC is going to be able to get that yards per play way up there above six yards. Come on. Colorado's giving up at least 6.5 yards per play each game, that one's definitely going to happen. That, that's a that's a no doubter right there. Uh, one that's going to be you know, the tricky one, the, the hardest one I think to get for USC will be the special teams block, just because those seem so rare. But John Baxter seems to draw up things, you know, especially in games where it's against an inferior opponent. He finds a way to to break down a team. Maybe a first year head coach like Mel Tucker not paying as much attention on special teams. Let's see if John Baxter draws up something and gets a special teams block. They were close on a couple of them last week. Just missed it with Britton Allen on, on a pump block so let's see if they get it against Colorado one of the guys that's been on their field goal block units has actually been Nick Figueroa who's a guy that's kind of moved around the defensive line he was at the defensive tackle spot originally now he's been playing defensive end went to the game last week got his first career sack and he didn't even practice at defensive end you know he said that he just kind of got thrown in the mix they didn't get a chance to practice him during the week and then because of all the injuries he gets thrown in there and makes the most of it our Chris Trevino caught up with Nick Figueroa this week I'm here with the, the man, myth, the legend, Nick huh. Figueroa, defensive lineman. Um, Nick, what has been, you know, it was a big win on Saturday, but also a costly win with the injuries. Um, what has been the morale of the team the last couple of days since the dust settled? You know, I, it's been just kind of like next man up, like rise to the occasion. 
we know how our season is. We got a, basically a six-game season starting last week. That's kind of how we looked at it as a team. And it's just every week, you know, you never know whose name's going to be called, but everyone's got to be ready to play a new role or the same role or just any role. So, I mean, I think everyone's, you know, bummed out for those guys that are injured, but at the same time, like, they know they're going to be bummed out so long. We got a game on Friday. How do you feel like you guys deal, dealt with it in the moment? You know, you know, guy goes down, guy goes down. How do you feel like you dealt with that? Have you ever been part of a game where just so many guys got hurt? Yeah, it's definitely the injury bug going around. I just couldn't even believe it. But um, I think guys I mean, really stepped up to the plate, had a really nice debuts. Other guys like my roommate, Caleb, he played a hell of a game. And, you know, the first time getting, like, plus rep, like plus, plus reps, pretty much like starter reps, and he's going to build on that this week. So I'm really proud of him. Obviously, big night for the you guys on the defense, seven sacks, um, season high. What do you guys have to do to build off a performance like that moving forward? Yeah, last week we spent a lot of time working our pass rush, and it was kind of one of the first times we like really emphasized it in practice. We knew like getting to Khalil Tay and disrupting like their backfield was going to give us a lot of uh, leeway in the secondary. So that's I think this week. Looking forward to Montez. You know, he can throw a deep ball. They, he's going to stay back in the pocket. Like we. Getting home is going to make a big difference. We're same thing this week. We're probably get after it again. Yeah, when you guys went back and watched the tape on those seven sacks or the big plays you had, what was jumping out to you when you guys were making those plays? I mean, guys were just executing, doing the things they're supposed to do, and getting off the ball good, uh, having good situational awareness, like knowing when to pass down, probably like playing their odds, playing the sticks, just being smart football players and, and trying to make plays, keeping the plays, keep it going, high motors. Obviously, you had your your first sack here at USC. Congrats on that. Um, did it feel like, is it kind of like soccer, like goals follow goals, sacks follow sacks? And yeah. do you feel a little bit looser once you get that first one out of the way, whether it's the career or the season or anything like that? Yeah, of course. I think it was, it was a really good opportunity for me and a lot of our guys on our line to get in there and get a whole series. And, you know, because I've been, I've been working in a role where I would come in and get a couple, like, breather reps so guys could play any tackle and, you know, last week I got at reps at end, and this week like I've been working at end. So just getting like a whole series in a game, and you know, under the big lights, I think it's definitely like made me more comfortable just as the seasons went on, especially like last week. But yeah, for sure, sacks and sacks, goals on goals. Yeah, everyone's just pumped up. So like that game, like everyone's just hyping each other up, or you know, everyone's just flying around, chest pumping. Gotcha. I know when you first. When we first talked and you first committed, you didn't really know if you were going to be inside, outside yeah. guy. It seems like now you're a little bit switching back and forth. Yeah. Do you kind of like the role of just the versatility of being able to kick out outside or fill in inside? Yeah, I, I was heavier in spring, and I, that was when I was playing on the end. And I think that body would have worked a little better for me inside. Like, but uh, I, yeah, I liked it. I think it, it's made me a better player on the end, like playing inside. I you know I pick up my keys faster with the tackles now that I played on, on guard, just like falling in and out. So. I do like that role. I hope to continue, you know, being a guy that can play anywhere on that line. Good stuff from Nick Figueroa. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure, guys, on this USC defensive line. You know about Drake Jackson. He's going to be out for this one. But also the senior Christian Rector. So those guys in the middle, everyone else, they're going to have to step up and play well. This Colorado rushing attack has been pretty good this year. And you never know. Steven Montez to LaVisca Chenault. We're waiting for that one breakout game from Chenault. He's probably the best player in the conference. Maybe it happens this weekend on Friday night uh, against USC. you got to prevent against that. So keep the pressure on Steven Montez. Don't let him get comfortable. Find a safety blanket in LaVisca Chenault and get this Colorado offense rolling. You don't want that to happen. Have it worked for the last two weeks. You can't let it go, and it's going to start up front with that USC defensive line.
Last week, LaVisca Chenault was able to get into the end zone against Washington State, scored their lone touchdown. That was on the ground as a, as a rusher. They haven't used him as many ways as they did pre, in the previous coaching staff, so it's interesting to see if they finally open up the playbook a little bit for him and let him just do his thing. You know, He's such a unique weapon. You can run the ball with him, throw the ball to him. He can even throw the ball if you need him to. He is a, a dynamic playmaker, but he's only got one 100-yard game this year after having five last year. You know, they, They've got to get the ball in his hands more. And how does USC try to slow that down? Remember last year, Pelli and Itiote laid the big lick that knocked out both of them in that game, and that changed kind of the, the momentum of the game, the flow of the game, because without Chenault, they just couldn't get things going. They've got a couple other weapons now, but Chenault is the big one. Can USC contain him, and can Colorado find different ways to try to work him into the game? And Ryan, you mentioned the pressure on USC's defensive line. I'm just curious how it kind of these injuries changes what we see from that. Nick Figueroa mentioned Caleb Trimley. He'll probably get the start as well as Hunter Eccles. Those are guys who've been waiting in the wings trying to get their time on this defensive line. So will they take advantage of that opportunity that they're given? And both both those guys played uh, you know a career high number of snaps last week. So can they build on that and, and make the most of it this week? You know Connor Murphy may be back in the mix again this week. He was out with a little bit of a shoulder injury last week. Only played on special teams. He should be ready to go against Colorado too. So another body they can add back to the mix. Alrighty, guys, it's that time. Time for predictions. How do you think this one's going to go? Okay, USC is a double-digit favorite in this one. I kind of think it's going to be close. Will LaVisca Chenault have that really? breakout game? I don't know. This Colorado defense has given up 30 points in 12 straight games. I think USC is going to get up in the 38-point range. So maybe 38-31, USC wins this one but doesn't cover. I think I think it's going to be a blowout. I, you know, I, I think they definitely score the thirty points. I think it may be 45, 48 points. You know, I think they encroach on that fifty point margin there, uh, and, and I, I think that they're going to blow them out and maybe hold them to ten points. Yeah, I think USC is going to take care of business this week. I'm actually going to copy what Washington State that same score against Colorado. I'm going to go with forty one ten USC. Interesting. You know, this is a feisty Colorado team. It's a Friday night game. You know Pac-12 teams don't do well on the road. True. And it's going to be cold in Colorado. So we'll see what happens. Thanks for hanging with us early on USC game day for Colorado week, an early week of Friday game. Thanks to our sponsors, Trader Joe's and Platinum Storage, plus our contributors, Keely Yor, Shotgun Spratling, Chris Trevino, Adam Munster-Tiger, and of course, Taylor Mays. Make sure you check back on KABC Radio, Fridays at midnight for the Peristyle pregame show. Enjoy the game, and we will talk to you next time. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount+, Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.